0: A multinational corporation, sure, it's a big logo, but ultimately it's a group of people that need help with something, want to do something, and they'll either like you and your team and your product or or they won't, right? So if you focus on understanding the people and their mission and how they're measured and, and, and how to support that group, you can work with the biggest companies in the world uh, and, and thrive as a result.
1: Today I'm super excited because uh, we have Igor Feletsky, uh founder of, of Mobify, a uh, huge Vancouver success company. Uh, let me let me let me set this up please. Igor is the co-founder of Mobify, the leading mobile web platform provider powering hundreds of millions, that's hundreds of millions, of mobile page views for its e-commerce and publisher customers around the world. Founded in Vancouver in 2007, Mobify has been focusing on helping businesses adapt to the fast-changing digital and mobile world, in October 2020, Mobify was acquired by the Salesforce, which is amazing. Um, and in his spare time, Igor enjoys open water swimming and reading world history books, which I am gonna talk to you about. Welcome, Igor. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, I, I kind of want to touch actually on that that the the world history books thing. Is there a certain is there a certain um genre of history that you like or or timeline or anything like that
0: you know it's funny i find it to be a very calming experience to read about the middle ages or the exploration age Uh, i don't have a specific kind of region i look at but the current book i'm reading is called fatal shores and it's about the history of australia uh, after the british came there so how it started uh, how it developed and i just find it fascinating Wow. That's, that's really interesting. So I I don't know if you know,
1: but I actually did my undergrad in history uh, and I focused on Russian Canadian military relations. So that's why when, when, when I see this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of, of, well, just the things that happened and how they made huge change in, in the world. And, uh, well, you know what? We're going to talk about the huge change that you brought uh, to, the, to the world here. So let's let's go back in, in a historical sense, uh, I guess 2007, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier, um, where you missed a bus and that created this aha moment for you. Tell us about this.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, 07, wow, that's definitely going back in history, right? (laughs) So it's my uh, last year, SFU, Comps sci undergrad, Uh, same for John Boxall, my uh, Mm -hmm. partner, mobile fire CTO. Uh, And mobile is coming uh, in a big way. So iPhone just came out or just was announced, Uh, Android uh, popped up as well. And we started seeing that mobile is going to be a big way that changes how brands and uh, their audiences interact and how people want to access computing in general. So started looking for ways to use mobile to solve our own problems. And being students, you know, going to Burnaby Mountain, catching the bus, that was an issue. So I remember in two or three nights, uh, we wrote the scraper to get schedules off the transit website with then no permission uh, and uh, pipe it to an SMS gateway before Twilio was a thing. And um, thanks to some support from professors, it kind of went viral on campus and people started using it and that was the very first uh, project that we worked on that inspired us to go from a project to a company and then build mobile platforms for different industries different use cases for over a decade after that so uh was definitely a very fateful bus that that we missed and then then caught
1: well, that's fantastic, and I got to admit, over the years, I've, I've, you know, I engaged with John a lot too, and he, he must be a great business partner because he's, a, he's a great guy, super smart, big heart. Um, so you know, congratulations for finding a good business partner, and 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 right back, right back at him. So, so you started with this bus application. How do you evolve from a bus application to where you are now?
0: Well, uh, it's definitely through a number of stages, Chris. Mm-hmm. So MobileFi was in business for almost 14 years before we got acquired. And it takes several generations for any technology product to you know, last this long and, and, and grow. So for us, our first idea was, okay, let's go sell this mobile bus app to different cities. That's called Portland, that's called Seattle. Mm-hmm. Of course, a call nobody picked up. So it's very hard to sell the government. It's not the first vertical you want to go into as an undergrad right so we went to publishing as the next sector we saw there's more and more of a need to run mobile sites that's like you know 20 10, 10. Uh, so we closed a deal with Condé Nast, which uh, runs wire gq uh, kind of did a bunch of that then the publishing market got small because it's not the biggest industry but there was more and more inbound from retailers saying hey an e-commerce site there's more and more mobile traffic coming up can you help us solve this with your product and Initially, our product didn't support it, but like we raced around the clock to add support for secure transactions and then it became a mobile commerce platform uh, when that was a, a new wave coming up. And then ultimately, e-commerce was the market that MobileFi uh, matured in and grew a lot in and we stayed in for for a decade. Um, and uh, yeah, it was definitely a few steps that got there and a few products in between that didn't go anywhere. We just did something and then it flopped right away and then we moved into something else. So. It takes a lot of iteration. It takes definitely a big wave that is getting bigger to support something like that, like mobile was 1% of traffic on sites Mm. when we started. And now it's, you know, the majority of traffic. So every year the story kind of got bigger, but we needed to have different products to make sure we provide value to the audiences like there and then. So, um, that was a very interesting journey for sure.
1: Well, very, very cool. And I've always got to say too, you guys, you can tell you got in the early days because your name's awesome. Like to, to have Mobify, you know, in those days, I think that I think that says a lot right there. Well, what's it like working with uh, like multinational brands and like who's who's the first besides Condé Nast? Who's the big one that you that you closed?
0: Yeah, so Wired Magazine was uh, the first one. We kind of went in their door and convinced them that we had a, a great product to make a mobile site, and they gave us a thousand dollars for a year. We're like, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> we should probably ask for more money because we can't pay rent, right? So. Um, I think our our big breaks after that were this site called Threadless. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm dating myself, but that was a big T-shirt e-commerce site like 15 years ago. So I called, messaged somebody on LinkedIn that was a CTO there. And uh, he loved the idea of launching a version. So we we got them. Then somehow we got uh, on Mashable, I think. And then on Mashable, somebody at Starbucks saw us. And we got the Starbucks RFP. And we won as a company of 11 people, a contract to power their MDOT site. And uh, it was just completely unreal. And I think David maybe didn't realize how small we were. So I had to rapidly learn how to do big projects and evolve our product to uh, have the performance that they wanted. But I think one insight from, from that time is if you're a company betting on a new wave that's getting bigger, mm-hmm. You'd be first in line when big brands want to do some sort of experiment, right? So it was mobile then. Today it could be conversational interfaces. It could be machine learning tech. It could be some sort of fintech use cases. That's the benefit of being a startup. The large companies will take a long time to get to that space, and you can move quicker and get huge brands to to use your product.
1: Well, well, you said you had 11 11 employees by the time you know, probably including you and John. I assume. Um, <sighs> How long did yep. it take for you to, to go from the bus app to 11 employees and what, what's the timeline we're talking about here?
0: It actually wasn't that fast. It was probably about three years. Mm-hmm. And um, the first couple of years were not fast at all, right? We took a long time to actually um, work with Translink, who was an amazing customer to us for a few years, but it was an instant deal. Then figure out that, you know, it's not uh, the best vertical maybe to scale in, go to different verticals. So the first three years were quite slow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we were thinking, you know, should we actually keep going or, or or stop? But mobile was a bigger, bigger deal every year. And just the excitement kept us going. And then at some point, the business caught on and started growing much faster.
1: Very cool. No, did you ever have any challenges? I mean, with the multinationals being a Canadian or a Vancouver company, did you ever have any challenges um, convincing them that you could do the job?
0: Uh, well, as the saying goes on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, right? And um, I think the benefit of just Being a company with a cool name that seems, Mm -hmm. uh, again, if you look at 10 years ago, that was definitely uh, in vogue. and I think we got a lot of trust because we focused on the mobile segment early, but it was definitely hard to figure out how to support globally for customers for the first time, how to do even enterprise sales cycles. Back then there was not a lot of content, so there was no saster. Uh, y Combinator was like in its third batch. So a lot of that was just figuring out and making some mistakes and then hiring great people um, to go distance with us and, and help us figure it out. But ultimately you realize that a multinational corporation, sure it's a big logo, but ultimately it's a group of people that need help with something, want to do something, and they'll either like you and your team and your product or or they won't, right? So if you focus on understanding the people and their mission and how they're measured and, and, and how to support that group. You can work with the biggest companies in the world uh, and, and thrive as a result. So it's really all about the people, both on the customer side and internally in a startup building software. That was one of my lessons uh, through the years for sure.
1: Well, I think that's I think that's really interesting because um you know uh, too often I see especially in the startup world it's like technology for the sake of technology and you know sometimes you can be lucky with that but at the end of the day and, and this is what we always say is hey we're just a business solutions company like ourselves because we're just trying to solve business problems and technologies the the way you do that and uh, you know clearly you you understood that pretty quickly which which I think is interesting because you you at, at SFU what what you studied computer science
0: That's right yeah same so, for John
1: Same for John. So you were, you were on the engineering side of things and then you went into the business side of things. How did, did you guys arm wrestle? How did you decide that you would do the business side and he would do the tech side, or I'm sure there was a little bit of a, a lap over, but how did, how did you decide who would do what?
0: Uh, Great question. So actually for the first two years, we both did a bit of coding and a bit of business stuff. And then I realized that uh, I kind of suck at coding compared to John. He's just so much faster uh, and uh, is great at it. So we specialized and I think that really allowed us to uh, build a better team. So I think it was a lucky coincidence that we had complementary skill sets and we worked together in university before starting a company for five years on projects. So we kind of knew each other to begin with. Uh, But yeah, I'm very grateful that uh, I got a CTO like John who is now working with me at Salesforce. And uh, yeah, actually, John just had his baby, third baby yesterday. So, congratulations. congrats, John. John, and Michelle, you're doing great. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on
1: that. That's, that's, exciting um well i remember following you guys and find, seeing your office because you guys were down at was it hastings or pender at one point right
0: yeah a bunch of different spaces you know first in Gastown, all the break-ins then in Yelltown, and then uh we were on georgia and granville for a few years after that
1: mm-hmm. but one thing that i've always been amazed by you guys because i have visited you over the years is you have one of the nicest offices like honestly you i could tell you guys were on on top of it because you know i mean heck you come out of skytrain And there's Mobify, like you don't, you don't get to see that too often, you know, especially next to Sony and all these big names, which is, which is really impressive. But when, when the the acquisition happened, did you get to keep the office or did you have to move? What, what, what happened with your, uh, with your current situation?
0: Yeah. So Salesforce has a a great new office in uh, Vancouver. It's on uh, Seymour and Water Street. So Mm -hmm. actually I think the sign went up on that building a few months ago. So we're going to be working out of that office going forward. It's still kind of imaginary because I'm sitting here at home. You're sitting at home, probably, right? So it doesn't feel like we have an office, but uh, that's going to be the new location um, down the road.
1: Yeah. Well, I won't lie to you. I'm actually at the office today, but it's the first time <laughs> I've been here in weeks. So it's, uh, um, and I think I'm the only one here. So you know, um, yeah, it, it it is what it is. Well, you know what? What what, what are we talking? About? I mean, we're we're at home because obviously COVID is, uh, you know, what it is. Um, how like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say COVID's, you know, I mean, COVID's obviously an awful situation and all that, but it's, it's, it's definitely created a lot rapid change and forced people, especially in mobile, especially in these new technologies. Has it affected Mobify um, in a positive way, as well as the obvious, you know, culture staffing sort of way, but has there been a positive change that's come out of it?
0: So I think uh, for everybody in e-commerce technology, this has been just a, incredible and and uh, a crazy year right because all the shopping went from retail to online uh, i think for a lot of businesses uh, that have multi-channel and that have store and online it's still hard right because your your stores can't be open so you're only using your e-commerce side but for e-commerce specifically it has been a fantastic story of growth and what we've seen that's been really um cool is that a lot of industries that maybe were lagging a little bit in e-commerce adoption are now going uh, you know, head first and, and moving very quickly. So B2B commerce is moving from uh, pen and paper and, and purchasing uh, orders to uh, e-commerce format. If you look at grocery, if you look at automotive, if you look at other uh, verticals, suddenly it's all going to e-commerce. You know, if somebody told you five years ago that you were buying a Tesla on your smartphone, you'd be like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and now it's like, how else would you buy a, a car if not on your or your mobile device or, or your desktop uh, at the very least, right? So that shift has been brought forward by five years. And mm-hmm. um, it's a, a, an amazing time of innovation and uh, also a really important time for companies like Salesforce, Fi, everybody else to help brands actually make the shift because it's vital for their bottom line, for their existence to achieve excellence there and really focus on that at Salesforce.
1: No, no, I I I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, the, the 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 companies that are having challenges right now. You know, on the services side, it's just harder for them to scale. And you know, I think leveraging the technology. I mean, we want to do everything we can, obviously, to um, you know, it's part of it's 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 our community. Um, so we want to do everything we can to help them. Um, but it is nice, at least on the on the uh, on the sales side of things, that you know, you're you're offering these tools to really, um, you know keep people in business, which is great. Um, well, you know what? Let's talk about some of the solutions. So, you know, you've come up with a lot of solutions and you've already touched on some, you know, you kind of, you kill fast or you, you, you kill, some you, you keep going with. But can you tell me with like, for example, LiveVote or Mobifeed or Mobify Studio? Tell me tell me about these experiences or about creating these uh, products.
0: Yeah, so it really came from a lot of observations that we had and our team had about, oh, I can use this new mobile channel or feature to do something interesting. So live vote, for example, was a way to do uh, SMS voting. It's it fed into like this flash interface with pie charts showing votes coming in. And we, I think wor- worked with the global news to actually have it live on a few programs. So um, it was definitely a niche thing then. And again, if you look at it now with, with Twilio, everybody's doing it in, in some way. So mm-hmm. that was interesting, but there couldn't be a big market for that product. So we just continued it fairly quickly. Moby feed was uh, written for Symbian phones before mm-hmm. there was an iPhone app store essentially it actually was a kind of an Instagram knockoff. it was a, a, a process that took um, your photos uh, with your permission from your phone and then made a website that people could look at we couldn't distribute it. We wrote the app in uh, Symbian but there was no easy way for an indie developer of like three or four uh, folks to get on the app store. you had to be like a major company to get on those, uh, wireless carrier app stores, if you remember that, and then yeah. of course uh, later on, iOS App Store, or Google Play came in and changed everything completely. So, for me, the lesson there is definitely timing. You can have uh, you know the same idea ten years in a row, and the winner uh, in many cases is the one that's going to ride the wave when the ecosystem is ready, when the when people are ready to consume a new way of doing things. And um, yeah, that was definitely a cool journey. But the product that I'm most excited about is. The most recent one, probably a typical thing for you as well. So we had a, um, a front as a service platform to essentially power super large-scale uh, uh, websites uh, based on APIs, based on Amazon Lambda serverless technology, mm-hmm. uh, with latest and greatest tools uh, like React, and Node, and Express, and that's going to be a big part of our product at Salesforce Commerce Cloud going forward. So. If you're somebody listening to this podcast that wants to work with technologies and uh, wants to work on e-commerce, we have a bunch of job openings right now. Please give me a shout.
1: (laughs) And and it'd be a great company to work with. So I totally, I totally, totally uh, uh, appreciate that. I I hope we have good reach for you. Um, Well, you know what, let's let's touch a little bit about Salesforce, because I think, you know, having partnerships with large anchor companies and there's not that many in Vancouver, but they're definitely, you know, they're coming in um, like Salesforce is a really a good business strategy. Can you tell me how you know how the relationship started?
0: Absolutely. So actually, we started to uh, work with uh, Demandware, which was later acquired by Salesforce. Um, it was a leader, a leader in uh, e-commerce technology. So for us, it was many years of working towards a shared vision and um, working with many shared customer accounts to do complementary things. Uh, we got to know the people, and you know the rest is history. So. Uh, What was really great is just to see how um, progressive um, Salesforce is and they're very public about it. They're all about getting involved locally, wherever they are. And I think it's something that a lot of big tech companies uh, should emulate, right? Because uh, certainly there's a big global opportunity, but we have to give back to our community. So if you look at Salesforce and Mark Benioff, the CEO has a big uh, program around homelessness reduction in San Francisco, I want to make sure that we take those lessons and bring them back home to Vancouver because we have a lot of the same problems. And um, that value alignment has been a key part of success uh, as partners for years, and now also a big reason why it's a, it's a great fit for um, uh, acquisition as well.
1: Well, here's a question, because you talk about Mark Banioff and ha- you know, being aligned in terms of his you know, be- beyond business, the culture side of everything.
0: Have you actually spoken to Mark? Uh, I haven't personally spoken to Mark, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, 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 he's an author of several books. He's very visible in in the media talking about his uh, uh, agenda for communities and, you know, joining a company like Salesforce, uh, uh, giving back with volunteering with uh, uh, a bunch of other ways with philanthropy. Like it's it's a pretty big focus for the company. And Mm -hmm. um, we hope to use all that to help Vancouver and help Canada uh, where we can.
1: Fantastic. Because we, we, you know, we need the help and uh, we also need, you know, anchor companies. We need, we need you know, what we need is people who have found the path. I mean, you, you started this in 2007, uh, you and John, and you found a path, are, are, you know, and there's an acquisition and you're going to continue continue going. And, you know, again, with such a great company as Salesforce, um, do you plan on, you know, mentoring or looking at, you know, other great younger companies? Um, startups or, or entrepreneurs and seeing how you can help them along the path? Is that—is that something that you're interested in doing?
0: Super interested in it, uh, Chris. So when we started Mobify, I think I mentioned it earlier, there was so little that was available to us, especially not being in Silicon Valley, being in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So very few resources. And we said that if we ever get anywhere, we'll make sure to give back in whatever way makes sense. So the next generation after us has bigger vision and bigger companies and huge successes. Uh, because it helps us, uh, of course, um, as a country and, and as a city, but also I think a great way to learn how to start a startup and scale is to work for entrepreneurial company. And uh, I love meeting uh, undergrads, uh, new grads, uh, people that want to work at, at Salesforce to also uh, bring them in to the company and, and achieve the vision that we have. And uh, uh, perhaps uh, bring them some new skills that that will help them later on. So yes, it's a huge focus area of ours. And, um, I'd love to be as, as engaged as I can be.
1: Well, I'm I'm really pleased to hear that because you know the people need help in order to get to where you are. And uh, you know, hopefully they can they can even do it faster and better than either either of us have ever been yep. able to do with, with just <laughs> a little bit of direction, you know. Well, you know, you, you touched on you touched on something that I think is really, really interesting. Cause I remember it was a couple of years back. I was at UBC and you were like the keynote speaker of this one event, and you were sharing some some great information about, you know, your journey. And you could tell the students were loving it because I wanted to just go over and say hi but you were just slammed by all the students of wanting to ask you questions. So I think I just had to wave from a distance and just, just leave it at that, you know, which actually made me feel bad because I left without actually saying hi to you. But um, I mean, you, you kind of touched it. Why, why is it so important, um, you know, that you continue talking to, the, talking to these students then? Uh,
0: I think it's just so great to be able to share our lessons so the new generation can make uh, new mistakes and, and move even faster. I always felt that we have so much talent here but we need to have more anchor companies that are founded locally as well. So uh, we all benefit from that. Uh, and I just get such, so much energy from being with students and answering the questions and seeing what ideas they have. It's a great way to understand what new generation is focused on, what new paradigms they're adopting for, for their applications, their companies, mm-hmm. uh, everybody wins. So I would love to do more of that if there's an opportunity.
1: Oh, very cool, very cool. So um, one thing that I loved at university was the clubs. Like that was where I think you meet your you know your friends for life, for example. Um, and I see here at SFU, you started a club called Mobile Mondays. What was that all about?
0: As the title implies, <laughs> it was about mobile technology. <laughs> you know, we felt, uh, uh, John and I, when we were in, in, in comps at SFU, is that it was super amazing education and really cool to learn about technology. But consumer trends are somehow like, passing us by a little bit, and we wanted to bridge that and um, talk about things that are coming out, mobile applications, mobile hardware, and then see how we can use those trends to to build projects, pre-starting a company. And the effect that we had uh, with the club is, number one, we had some great uh, free pizza that was sponsored by SFU CompSci. Thank you, SFU for that. Nice. But more importantly, just amazing people, amazing students that shared the same interest and, and came and joined us in the club and eventually joined us in the company. We had. A number of folks that uh, joined Mobilify because they knew John and me from the club and super grateful to them for their contribution and their ideas over the years. Some of our, both town engineers came out from that club that we did all together. So I agree with you. I think uh, if you are in a university, it's just a great way to uh, build relationships for life. Like John and I met first day of class of, of comp sci and worked out for us, right? So really. Yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's
1: like, that's like a movie. I think, I think maybe Netflix is going to buy that.
0: Um, don't waste that <laughs> time. If you're in school, make sure you understand who you can work with, who you enjoy hanging out with. And maybe there's something big mm-hmm. that happen with the company or something.
1: Oh, that's, that, that's, that's so true. Now, I mean, I get one question I get when I'm talking to university students is what should I be doing? What classes should I take in order to be successful? What, you know? And, and so my answer to that every time is, you know what, do a club that you don't even know you like, like, you know what? Um, do something that is so out, do dance, do singing, do something that's so out there and be uncomfortable about it and learn if you like it or not. Cause now's the time, you know? So, um, what, what, what would be the typical question you would get from a student? Cause I have very specific ones I find I get, is there any specific ones that you get that you have a good answer for that maybe we can just, uh, you know, give a, give a carpet answer for right here.
0: That's a great question, Chris. I think a lot of people wonder, how do you find the idea that, uh, is a, an idea that you should start a company around, and actually don't have a good answer other than like look at things that you're personally interested in, because it typically takes a long time to become first like good enough at something, then an expert, then for the market to catch up and offer opportunities for a business like that. But if you're really excited about the underlying trend, and you then you can go the distance, and then things will fall into place, right? Versus if you're trying like write a new trend uh, every year it's hard to find that that long-term fit. So things that are small now, but are guaranteed to be bigger and things that you love uh, working with, even if it's like initially for free because you're working on an open source project, I think that's that's where you should look. But that's my path, right? Some people have a natural sense, oh, like there's a business opportunity here now to go and sell. And I think over time, you, like, I learned some of that, um, but that was not my path. I came from being excited about a core trend of technology that I knew is going to be big and then finding out a way to build a business on that shared passion that we had
1: very cool very cool well i mean talking about that so you're originally from um vladivostok right
0: that's right you even pronounced it right
1: (laughs) well that's vlad of the east so um (laughs) wow that's impressive something like that you know five five years of that i hope i can at least say that um but when did you when did you come to vancouver
0: yeah so in september it was our family's uh, 20 year anniversary in vancouver so we came in 2000 i was uh uh, almost 16 at a time. And um, yeah, you know, when I came here, I was just amazed uh, at the opportunity that that I saw everywhere uh, as an immigrant. And I want to say to everybody who has listened to this podcast who's an immigrant, you can do amazing things because the countries here support you and uh, the people are amazing. So really happy that our family came here. Grateful to my parents uh, that uh, that us here. It's been a blast.
1: <laughs> <You're> well, <welcome. laughs> <laughs> something like that, something wow. like that. Um, well, would you would you say then that, you know, being in Vancouver's made it easier than say, if you did want to do a startup in, in Vladivostok or even, you know, uh, somewhere in Moscow or St. Petersburg or one of the bigger cities?
0: I think it's different. I think there's amazing opportunities, say in Russia or in, in Europe, to mm-hmm. do startups that may be solving big uh, regional problems or may have some sort of like arbitrage component of, amazing local talent that maybe isn't as, as expensive as engineers in Silicon Valley. There's great businesses that uh, exist there, mm-hmm. but I think there's, I, I believe there's fewer of them. And I think there, it's still more difficult to do a, a startup there, but that's my read from from here, right? From, from BC mm-hmm. uh, being two hours away from San Francisco. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we definitely have more supports here. I think it's easier to be in the same time zone as, as Silicon Valley, have all mm-hmm. this talent, especially in the SaaS space. Uh, people that have scaled multiple companies like that that doesn't exist in the same way in in other mm-hmm. regions around the world. And I think that's where we can be stronger in Vancouver um, and in Canada. For sure. For sure. Well, you know, you had so you had, again, beautiful
1: Vancouver offices or offices over the years. Did you have offices, um, satellite offices, in other either in Toronto or in San Francisco or any of these places, too?
0: So we had uh, team members that uh, work with us in the US uh, and especially in UK. We have a team in, in UK right now. So we had uh, definitely amazing people that work with us uh, from all over the world and uh, some smaller locations. Yeah.
1: Very nice. I'm just I'm always intrigued to see where people want to go next. Like, um, um, you know, do you go to the states? Do you go to like for us? We've we've had. It, we had a space in the office or in San Francisco. It didn't really make sense for 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 tax reasons, for a whole bunch of reasons. It just didn't really make sense. Um, but you know, we are looking at Toronto now because we think, well, I mean, look at look at look at. I mean, how many of the huge companies are you know in exits are coming out of that area? We think there's a lot of opportunity. So I'm just I'm just in, in, intrigued to uh, you know to to know where you guys looked.
0: Yeah, you know, for us, uh, when we had uh, local offices over the years, a big part of that was A, providing a venue for the community to get together and then B, also recruiting uh, people that would be exposed to what we do at Bombify, our brand, our, our, our customers, our vision. And uh, I think that was uh, very useful and uh, hopefully the community also uh, appreciated that. Now though, it's all different, right? We don't even know what the future is going to look like when we got, go back to an office in, in a year, we will see. Uh, but I expect definitely like less big office investments for a lot of startups that are not Facebook or Google because you can do a lot more things now digitally the way we couldn't do it before. So more distributed talent. I mean, we all, we all know that. But I think it's becoming reality for small companies but also even big ones. And that's really exciting for getting more opportunities to people regardless of where they are and not having to go out and, you know, invest in a local real estate to hire people somewhere.
1: Which is nice. And the tools are getting so good now. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting so, so good compared to 2007 when it sounds like you, you know, writing in Symbian or, I mean, I, I keep imagining, I, I tried to write an application back then, like in WAP. I don't know if you remember the old, uh, you know, we'll almost call it useless <laughs> languages and without the frameworks and gateways and all these wonderful things that we have now. Um, well, here, here's a question. I mean, obviously there is another acquisition that happened, happened recently. Um, have you been confused yet? For um, you know, for 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 Slack's acquisition into into uh, into, shop, oh, into Shopify, pardon me, into into um, Salesforce yet.
0: Uh, well, it's obviously all all very new to I think everybody in the world, but uh, I'm just super excited for the Slack team in Vancouver to to join Salesforce, and of course globally. But we know quite a few folks that that work there, and it's a company with uh, history in Vancouver as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know to your point, how we need more anchor companies in Vancouver. Uh, Salesforce presence here is, uh, has grown quite a bit, and um, uh, we'll be excited to be even more involved now with Slack as part of the family with, with the community. Well, I think
1: I think that's an awesome acquisition, I got to say, too. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. We actually used Slack in the very early days because we were, in our early days, we were actually working on you know, the game Tiny TinySpec, and we were actually working on, we were creating the Android app for it. Um, but wow. we didn't even know they had a Vancouver office. We were dealing with the San Francisco office. Um, so we got to meet a bunch of the guys down there who ended up, you know, actually moving over to being some of the original founders into Slack, which, uh, really, really nice guys. So anyway, I, I you know, what awesome, you know, I wish, I wish them all the best. And I think that's a great acquisition. And You know, you're, you're among a family, a Royal family in my mind now, which is, which is, <laughs> which is, you know, it says, it's, well, it says a lot about, about your company too. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome. Well, Igor, you know Thank what? You. Thank you so much. First off, again, congratulations on everything. Thank you for being such a big part of the Vancouver ecosystem. You know, you and John, I would bump into you guys at at hackathons, at events, and you're always there to help out. You're always there to, you know, just... Just be part of the community, and I'm I'm excited to see even after this this exit or whatever it is, how you're going to continue to do that. And uh, you know, just please don't don't hang up the phone with me. Make sure that you still chat with me now that you're you're, you're making the big time, um, because I just I just want to continue the story and hear about the great stuff you guys do.
0: Thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It's been great to be a part of this podcast. And yes, we'll uh, be in touch, and I'll see you at Tim Hortons at. Uh, <laughs> The the mall I typically see you, Chris, so.
1: (laughs) Anytime, anytime. (laughs) Awesome, Igor. Thank you. Okay. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea podcasts and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast focusing on the business of technology in Canada. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we'd love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at studio. that is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at ttt that's three t's dot studio s-t-u-d-i-o you will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated furthermore you can find us on social media at ttt underscore studios i look forward to chatting with you soon